Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by the swashbuckler himself, Rob. Howdy. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Now, this episode of Rewind and Review will look at an action-adventure film that has just turned 40 years old. This movie and the franchise that followed modernised the serial films of the early 20th century and introduced us to the globe-trotting archaeologist who recovers long-lost treasures and takes on the Nazis. The bloody Nazis. Nazis. So grab your whip, your revolver, (laughs) and your fedora, because there is a relic of a movie to uncover (laughs) as we rewind to the year 1981. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. In 1981, Kurt Russell was escaping from New York, Mel Gibson became the road warrior, and Roger Moore was for your eyes only. And it was the year that we were first introduced to Harrison Ford's iconic character of Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right. Directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Lawrence Castan. Raiders of the Lost Ark is based on a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Uh, originally conceived by Lucas in the early 1970s, Spielberg joined the project several months after the release of George Lucas's Star Wars in 1977. In 1936, Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford, a renowned archaeologist and expert in the occult, is hired by the US government to recover the long-lost Ark of the Covenant, which is believed to still hold the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Hitler's agents are also after the Ark. Indiana's ex-flame Marion Ravenwood, played by Karen Allen, escape from various close scrapes in a quest that takes them from Nepal to Cairo. Be warned that if you haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. Rob, I'm really yes. curious. Um, you know, we 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 love love the George Lucas, we love the Steven Spielberg. They've come together 40 years ago, I must say, but they came <laughs> together and brought us this movie yes. and uh, this franchise which we'll talk about but it's not really one that we've ever really discussed mm. off air beforehand yeah I know um, where where are you coming from with with Indy with Indiana Jones with Raiders of the Lost Ark I mean I, I love the character and I love the, the story but the movie itself so this is the least viewed indie that I've seen and in fact I've seen it twice I thought I had seen it more times. So twice before a rewatch, or now you've no, seen it twice? No, including the rewatch. <laughs> okay. now, I honestly, for some reason, I thought I'd seen it more times, but I have seen um, Temple of Doom quite a few, and I think I may have just kind of you know mixed the two together. Um, and it was definitely um, Last Crusade that I've seen heaps, and if, if anything, that's probably my standout um, out of the out of the three. We could say four, but. Um, so, but no, no, this one, I, I mean, the character and the story and the, the whole idea that I really like, 
I remember when I watched it as a kid, I could see it with myself a little bit inside Indy and wanting to be a little <laughs> bit like Indy. I was very much into paleontology and archaeology and all that kind of stuff. So, so the genre as well, you were, the, you're into the genre it, yeah. and the overall legacy that you know this movie kind of created. I was into it. Okay, but cool. So you were caught in the in that um, yeah in the indie craze. Correct, but cool. this movie itself, yeah, not I. I thought I'd seen it more times than I had, but I have not indeed. So it was all, it was a very fresh rewatch for me. I'm gonna break our podcast today. Cool, do it. I had seen this movie one time. Okay, but I was maybe like nine or ten. Wow. So I have memories of it, but mm-hmm. they're completely different to everything I witnessed. On my rewatch mm-hmm. <laughs> this time around, in preparation for this, in terms of the wow. rest of the franchise, I have not seen any of the others. Are you for real? I've not seen any. I holy shit! It's like I, I know of Indiana Jones. Mm. I feel like in and look, I would have seen bits and pieces here and there on TV or whatever in passing, and I feel like I've constructed enough in my head, and I read enough, and I've heard people talk about the franchise as a whole enough that I feel like. I know the franchise, but I mean, I'll be honest, like, I don't. I really don't. Wow. And I think I put it down to the genre. Okay. I mean, I'm into swashbuckling, you know, you know, mm. heroes and you know, complicated little adventure stories like that, you know, yep. Goonies, anything with pirates. Mm-hmm. Like, this... Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not against the genre, but I just feel like it wasn't something I gravitated towards, even yeah, okay. though... Again, like, I'm into treasure hunting movies, yeah. Uncharted games, Tomb Raider. That's what it, yeah. Uh, yes. Very surprised. Very, yeah, very like, surprised. I like the idea of, you know, raiding tombs and digging for stuff and yeah. ancient stuff and, you know, the mystical, magical stuff. But, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I have seen this movie. I've now watched it twice. Um, and, I, again, it felt like I was watching it really, truly for the, the first time. That is a huge surprise to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Actually, yeah, I'm a little bit like, <laughs> yeah, wow, cool. Well, I mean, so something different, something different from us. Wow, that's so. So, you, did you even watch Crystal Skull when it came out? No, man. <laughs> really? Well, I didn't like. I oh watched the other. Again, I just had no interest. Oh, was, wow, just it's incredible. To it's me. like the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick that. Put a pin in that. We'll, we'll put a pin about, in that. We'll talk about that later into the future. All right. Well, let's talk. So, okay, yep, you may not have a connection to this particular franchise. But I understand that it yep. is a beloved franchise and, and film as well. And it's Correct. left a legacy. It has a left a legacy. A 40-year-old legacy. So let's get into it. Yep. Starting with uh, budget and box office. Yep. $20 million budget. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. With a box office taking originally $330.5 million. That is it's pretty good. Huge on that uh, twenty million dollar budget because of re-releases and stuff over the years. It, mm. It's now landed on three hundred and eighty-nine point nine million. Right. So at the time, it became the highest-grossing film of nineteen eighty-one, and it actually played in some theaters for over a year Holy to heck. the point where it actually delayed um, the home video release of the movie because they were like, oh, well, we just, "Let's just keep playing it in in cinemas." Like, why people not? are paying for it. Let's get it done. Yeah, it's awesome from a critic point of view. And it's it was a critical success to receive praise for its modern take on the on the serial film, its non-stop action and adventure, and the cast, particularly uh, Harrison Ford, Karen Karen Allen, and Paul Freeman, uh, who he's the one who plays the the rival archaeologist, Doctor Rene Berlouk. 
Are you familiar with Paul Freeman? Yeah. Can you think of another movie that we've done that Paul Freeman has a starring role in? I mean, the name's familiar, but no, it, can't, it doesn't jump into me. He played... Not when I'm looking at it through the lens of this. He played Ivan Ooze in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Oh, really? Oh. Huh. Really? Yeah. Huh. There you go. Cool. Well, uh, he's, uh, he's, <laughs> just, had a, he's had a very, very vast I just want career. to throw that in this and see if that changes anything you have to say about this man and his performance in this movie. <laughs> we'll get to him. We'll get to him. I yeah cool no comment at this point not this no comment at this point all right uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the the takes around this so Roger Ebert called it a series of breathless and incredible adventures um, inspired by and celebrating uh, childhood stories told in comic books and movies um, he described it as providing entertainment in the vein of Star Wars which makes complete sense um, and the James Bond films and Superman so kind of all that kind of tone and feel and, and level of adventure I guess. And given that it's a, you know, it's a, it's a Lucas production. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. makes complete sense. Came from the same uh, tree, I guess. Something like that. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, we're currently sitting at 95% from 81 reviews. That's an mm. average of 9.25 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Pretty high. Metacritic, 85% based on 15 reviews. Okay. Um, and since its release, Raiders of the Lost Ark has grown in steam and is now considered one of the greatest films of the 1980s and one of the greatest action-adventure films ever made. Steven Spielberg has said that he considers it to be the most perfect film of the series because he never wanted to modify it change anything about it yeah right I feel like that's a little bit of a dig at George Lucas you know know, renowned for my movies are never finished (laughs) they they must always be tweaked I wonder when Steven Spielberg said that because he directed it would have been he directed India oh that's true yeah yeah. um, four what did he did did he direct three I can't remember what he did he did he's done all four was it all four of them he's done all four yeah right and we've got um James Mangold taking on five. We'll get to it. We'll get we'll to get it. To we'll it. get to it. All right, awards. Uh, this film, it was nominated for several awards and, um, and among others, won five Oscars, um, seven Saturn Awards and one BAFTA. Uh, and of course, franchise. So this is not the only Indiana Jones movie. You will be surprised to know and find that out. Not even just movies. More. Oh, so many, so many things. So Raiders of the Lost Ark um, has a lasting impact on pop culture um, spawned a host of imitators across several different media and mediums inspired other th- other filmmakers but it became its own franchise um, which that does include films uh, TV video games comic books novels theme park attractions and toys especially toys toys I had toys when I was your toys yeah I had a little figurine with so a little whip and stuff with a little whip <laughs> yeah oh yeah I remember I that Alright, so let's break down the films here. So obviously we're, we're starting with Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. um, which again came out in 1981, directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, and just for good measure, let's remind you all, set in 1936. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the second film, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which came out in 1984, also directed by Steven Spielberg. This yeah. one, set in 1935. So it's a little bit of a prequel. Apparently, mm. you wouldn't even know. I read, unless you actually you actually took note of the date on screen. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, so apparently they didn't want him uh, fighting Nazis again, so they wanted something different. Anyway, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out in 1989, also directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, this one, a true sequel, set in 1938. When he was fighting Nazis. Again. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Yep. Nazis are still getting it done. 
Yeah. Um, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out in 2008. Once again, directed by Steven Spielberg. And this one, just to, I guess to be in line with, you know, the aging Harrison Ford, set in 1957. Yeah. And I think he, I think he drops the line... Isn't he like, oh, I'm getting too old for this or something like that? What, like it's real, in the trailer. Real, like, I don't know. Like a real like, <laughs> lethal weapon kind of vibe. With, Almost, yeah. yeah. Might as well have said I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned at the top there, there's an untitled Indiana Jones in the making right now, directed by James Mangold, um, set to be released in 2022. I think it's on track, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So many things being pushed. We all know about it. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, we could comment on that a little bit. James Mango, um, he's done Logan. He did Logan. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. I was like, "What's that old man superhero movie?" <laughs> um, you know, Indiana Jones is gonna be an old man superhero old movie. Man. Well, yeah. not superhero. Well, it might be. I don't know. Aren't they like aliens or something? In Depends the, on in your the definition of hero. Right. Really, or cool. superhero. Well, he doesn't have powers, does it? Or maybe he does. Dude, I don't know. Have you seen him use that whip? That shit's not real. <laughs> that is not real. He's got like precision pointing uh, yeah. accuracy, which is good. All right, let's jump over to TV. The Young yeah. Indiana Jones Chronicles, mm-hmm. which um, aired from 1992 to 1996. This featured three incarnations of the character. So Sean Patrick Flannery played Indiana aged 16 to 21. Right. Uh, Corey Carrier played Indiana aged 8 to 10. And George Hall narrated the show as the 93-year-old Jones, bookending each episode. Mm. Um, this also included four TV films, which wrapped up the series. Do you see any of the Young Indiana Jones? <laughs> no, I did. Like bluntly, no. Have you? I did. So that was um, so, and that might have that featured into my overall, like you know, kind of just adding traction sort of, yeah. and immersion into the kind of universe kind of thing. Um, that stuff was on TV. I think I remember and that the was opening credits though. And it looked kind of naff. So, <laughs> oh, it was it's early nineties TV. Yeah, like, which is yeah. fair. And I think I was probably watching them as reruns. So, you know, it was probably Ooh. a little bit late. I don't know. Um, yeah, who knows? I wonder if you could stream that stuff and where it'd be hosted. Anyway, um, cultural impact. So, um, Harrison Ford's performance led to his casting in uh, 1982's Blade Runner. Lawrence Kasdan became one of the most in-demand writers in Hollywood following this and um, helped George Lucas's uh, Star Wars sequel, The Empire Strikes Back. It's a little movie. If you, have you heard of that one? Uh, once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> While currently looking at his shirt that says Empire Strikes Back. Karen Allen, uh, for some reason, every time I read her name, I keep on wanting to say Karen Gillian, but I can't. Like, it's Anyway, Karen Allen affirmed that many women and girls had appreciated and been inspired by her character. Because she's quite a a strong female lead in this sense, but we'll hey, talk about her. She later punches later. She punches the protagonist in the face. Yeah, man. And, you know, within the context, sounded like he kind of deserved it. So good for her. Which is great. Um, the film led to an increase in students studying archaeology. I bet. Um, and many modern um, archaeologists have cited the film as an inspiration. Much like a lot of the other films that we've talked about. In 1999, the United States Library of Congress selected the film to be preserved in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yep. One of those. Mm-hmm. Um, American journalist Bernard Weinraub assesses Razor the Lost Ark as being the start of the decline of traditional family G-rated films. That's interesting. Yeah, and we will talk about like, like the violence and the tone and stuff yeah. uh, a little bit later, but it's... Yeah, it's it's like Indiana, like well, Razor Lost, like really presents itself as like a family 
mm-hmm. uh, accessible movie, but it's wide wow. release, did well, and it had a bit of grit and violence and uh, blood and gore to it. Well, I mean, those death sequences. There's like which some we're, melting faces. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that. It, but um, yeah. it, it did well, so it was like, hey, we don't need to coddle our audience and be mm. safe. So, yeah, very interesting. Frequent uh, Lucas collaborator Gary Kurtz said that Raiders marked the turning point where George Lucas became convinced that audiences cared more about the roller coaster ride rather than the story. Very interesting as mm. well. But you can you can appreciate that in some audiences and some genres. Um, and several filmmakers have spoken of the appreciation for and inspiration from, uh, including Christ Carter, Simon Kimberg, John Turtlelab, Dan Brown, and Joe Johnson. All yeah, all being inspired in some way by this film. I imagine uh, there was a lot of inspiration um, taken. Hmm. So Rob, let's um, yeah, let's get into. Raider of the Lost Ark, the, the the movie itself. Yes. And uh, just to keep that trend I started when we did our Shrek episode, let's start with the music and the theatrical score because, you know, much like someone like me, might not be as familiar with the franchise as I really should be, but everybody knows the music. It's true. You can hear it, you know it, you know this, at least the one major scene that it, you know, that it plays over. I'm talking about like that opening scene with the, with the, bowl, mm-hmm. with the boulder rolling down the... Down the tunnel, the thing that that, that inspired Crash Bandicoot's Boulder Dash. I mean, oh, I mean, yeah, all that, everything with that ring. What a legacy! What but a I legacy. mean, the music once again, John Williams. So you know, what a ledge. Following hot from things like Star Wars, Star Wars, Superman. Yep, heaps of other stuff he's done. All of the stuff. Lots yeah. of stuff. I would say John Williams has done all of it. Probably he, he should he should really just well, do he's all. Pi- he's pioneered all of it. Anyway. He's pioneered all of it. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's hard because it's like a lot of the great stuff. Hmm. Was also still to come for him. There. Oh my god! I mean, but, um, but his, yeah, be- no. his best score was going to come in 1992, 93, with the release of Jurassic Park. I mean, subjective, but um, I'm there with no, you. No, no, no. It's objectively the best. Thing <laughs> it's objectively, it's objectively the right, best score of all movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, you know, John Williams, incredible, incredibly amazing, talented, impactful. Uh, uh, what's the composer? Composer. Yeah. Um, and this, yeah, everyone knows the theme. I'm mean, sure. Did. Peek behind the curtain. Is this is this in is a theme in the ent- in the intro for this one? I mean, yeah, you heard it. Yeah. Of course, you did. of course, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. I, I I happen to be living in the future or the don't, past. Oh, you don't, don't question it. Like, um, this, yeah, this is already an edited, pre-packaged um, piece of uh, entertainment podcast that, yeah, <laughs> that you've heard. And, yeah. um, this is yeah. an audio medium, so no one can see me looking at Jason's <laughs> quizzical eyes. Stop it. Um, <laughs> but again, like the, this score, what what's happening with this score? I mean. Uh, Never mind just the iconicness of like the Raiders March um, and all that, you know, like the it's known as like the indie theme. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, it when it plays, it's like it's it's like Indiana Jones the character has done something cool or it's a cool action piece. It really plays into the the action that's on board. That's something's taken mm. off, something's going on. Yeah. It doesn't just play for the hell of it. Um, I was almost expecting when we first. Or introduced to, to Indiana Jones um, when we first see him, mm. I was like, oh, you know, maybe they weren't relying too heavily on the, you know, the, the, what we know as the iconic thing. Mm. It's like what you get is some like ominous, brooding music. Yeah. It's almost like Indiana Jones sounds seems like a bit of a scary guy. Maybe he's a, maybe well, he's a he's, bit of a he's villain. Rough. He's rough. Well, that's the thing. He's he is rough around the edges a bit, but then he's also he's a bloody teacher, you know. So yeah, 
which you, you know you find that out but that, yeah when you when you're first introduced to him in the way the, the score kind of buzzes about him a little bit it's yeah you, you're like oh hang on what's his motivation and i guess that's... and he's always almost always hidden in shadow like a lot of the times when he's interacting with people as well that's just the framing that spielberg's using and stuff but yeah, yeah and the score with, with that yeah you, so it really like the score is doing more than just sounding cool it's influencing yeah. like that like our interpretations of the characters and how the characters mm. are unfolding and, and are becoming more humanized throughout the film. But it's also, yeah, it's just elevating a lot of the action sequences. Uh, I mean, what Spielberg's doing with like staging and framing a lot of the mm. set pieces um, and delivering those action scenes, like it's all technically really, really well done. Mm. Um, you know, even though a lot of it does look dated because of oh. it just is, it's 40 years old. He's still using a lot of technical craft to yeah. pull off a lot of the best action scenes I've really seen. Um, uh, seen, uh, I've ever scenes that I've seen that sound like scenes a sentence, that you have seen sounded just like uh, that just sounded like something incorrect. So, <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, that they they look good, they look mm. real, and therefore they look believable. And then you yeah. have this score, and if anything is coming across as a little bit dull, the music just like makes brings it up, brings it up, and one, it's just fun. One of my observations, right? So I just rewatching this. You know, after so long, and I haven't seen any indie movies since, since bloody number four came out. I haven't revisited any of it, but I had an assumption that that you know that such, such an that iconic theme that we know was going to be more pre- um, pre- prevalent throughout the movie, and I was surprised when it wasn't. But more moreover, I was expecting it to be like when we are introduced to indie, for example, for the first yeah. time, and when some some of those moments, I was expecting it to be like. Like that theme, that that iconic theme to be what will be leading it, and I was really sweetly surprised to find how the tone was so much different than what my expectation was. Looking at yeah, it, yeah, they, they chose wisely when, mm. to, when to do so. Um, I go back to like something like Doctor No, you know, like the first like yeah, well, first, first. James Bond movie. I did the thing with my fingers. Mm. Um, and it's like you know with that with the iconic you know den 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 you know that classical yeah James Bond thing, and it's like they would play it like just when he was doing mundane weird things like he would be checking yeah. out of his hotel mm. and it'd be playing and he'd be taking his luggage and walking out the door yeah. of the hotel yeah and it was like dun, 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 dun. it's like what are you doing stop it <laughs> this movie isn't doing that so no, <laughs> I no, mean, it's not. but it chooses the right time to it, use it that, does, that it does. iconic score and it makes it like it's almost like a payoff it's a payoff like you're yeah. hearing it at the right time yeah that's good it's cool you earn it and, and, but like I said John Williams is a master of atmosphere as well and he the rest of the score beyond that iconic mm. theme is, yeah, atmospheric and really brings you in and really just turns, yes, you know, all those, those in, in, you know, in and out moments throughout the movie, you know, just gives them that extra tone and vibe and, and character. That's it. All I right, let's, it. let's get into talking about characters. characters. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Well, of course, yeah, we'll, we'll start with Indiana Jones himself. Oh, um, have to? Harrison Ford, don't be like that. Harrison Ford, <laughs> um, obviously, taking on this iconic role and I guess making it his own he's, besides the TV series he's the only person to play this character in live action mm. in a film yeah uh, in a theatrical film <laughs> I mean what's except your... for River Phoenix who plays him as a young child in Crusaders I think it is sure okay yeah. All yeah. Right. anyway continue, continue, continue yeah, right. Right. Just, you are right just under, yep Undertake what I what I just said. Yeah, totally. It's all good. It's all good. Deal with that. Huh. Yeah. No Continue though. The yeah. character. This, he is Harrison this Ford and Indiana Jones are one and the same. What I was getting from this character in this movie is like he is he is a 
not just a cool badass hmm. uh, whip cracking pistol shitting or well, revolver shooting yeah. still pistol in that uh, just heroic dude kind of doesn't want to be there but kind of does he's driven by he's driven by his love for archaeology and yeah. his artifacts which might be his Achilles heel because it's sort of yeah. you know, he's putting those things first rather than his life he's literally risking his life to do these things to find this stuff yeah. he's driven by that we're introduced to him again like it's in darkness in mystery who is he he's cracking his whip and knocking guns out of people's hands yeah. um, who is this mysterious guy dressed in his fedora and his vest and his you know mm. who is he and then the next time we see him again like you mentioned yeah. he's a teacher professor yeah. he's just teaching a class you know, it's he's de- dealing with it's a full tone change, teenagers, yeah. you know, like who are writing a love on their eyes. Oh, it's just, yeah. and he's just like I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Like he's he's really humanized. Yeah. Like I would have if if you were like, hey, tell me about Indiana Jones, like mm. the character. I would have assumed he was like, oh, you know, like he's badass, he's cool, he's doing stuff, he's heroic, awesome, and he's just your traditional hero. He's got so many layers to him, you know. Like, there's a scene in this movie where he believes that he causes, you know, Marion's death. You know, there's yeah. this chick that he's had a past with, a history, and um, obviously something sort of rekindling that a little bit. Yeah, he thinks that she's dead, and he's pretty much caused it. What does he do? He seeps into a bit of a depression. He's drinking. Yeah. He's he's basically like, all right, I don't care what happens now. Let's just do yeah. this. Like, I don't care. Yeah, you want me to meet God? Like, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so overall, my my overtake my take on the character is mm. holy shit. There's there's just so much. Again, I don't know what happens in the rest of the movies with him and if they drop yeah. the ball on him. But what we get here is no. The consistency's so there. Like, if you're talking about just very broadly, um, the consistency's there. Like Harrison Ford portrays throughout the you know all the franchises, even um, the fourth as a much older man. This. He's a bit more grizzled, but I mean Harrison Ford's a bit more grizzled too. If you've been watching him through his career, <laughs> but ultimately, like it's kind of the tone's cor- correct. Like he's yeah, he, he doesn't he doesn't lose that complexity throughout the series. Yeah, like, I mean uh, a lot of the time I was getting sort of throwbacks to you know part of his performances, Han Solo. Yeah, definitely. Style, you know, like but I mean I guess it's he's the same age at this time. Mm. His acting sort of is similar. Yeah, but I think there's you know as much as Han Solo is such an in, interesting, unique kind of character, I feel like mm. yeah, I don't know what what he's doing as Indiana Jones here is there's just so much more to it, and maybe yeah. that comes from the writing, the direction, and and plus Harrison Ford's performance as well. Like, there's so much going on. Yep. Let's talk character design of uh, Indiana Jones. Yes, um, and a few little interesting facts that we've got here. I mean, already, I mean, you know what it looks like. He's got his hat. He's got, got a hat, hat and a whip and and his revolver. His, uh, and he just looks badass um, all of the time. But you know what? People love his stuff so much that they would pay a high dollar for it. Or um, Indy's kangaroo hide bull whip was sold in 1999 in London to forty three thousand dollars at uh, some auction. I don't know. I didn't write the name down, the name of the auction down. I didn't know if it had any relevance or whatever, or it was just some random auction. Um, Indy's <laughs> jacket and hat are on display at the Smithsonian, which is very cool. Um, and Indy's boots are model four hundred five work boots made by the Alden Shoe Company of Middleborough in Massachusetts. Yeah, I can never say 
that state, right? Massachusetts. Um, they are advertised and sold to this day as indie boots. Right. So if you want to get yourself some Indiana Jones boots, go get these indie boots. That's actually um, that's part of his look that I actually can't even remember what that looks like. But anyway, he's um brown boots. <laughs> I was very, very surprised to find out that his uh, his his bullwhip was kangaroo hide. Very cool. See all the facts. Bring all the facts. Now, there's one thing I want to I want to mention because it was something you know like I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the Big Bang Theory. If you've watched the show, oh the TV or the, the or the science theory concept. Oh no, the the, the show. The show. Okay. <laughs> Vaguely. Vaguely. Yeah. All right. So one of the characters, um, Amy Farrafella, she. She watches Indiana um, Jones, or she watches, sorry, I should say, Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time at the um, at the request of her boyfriend, Sheldon. Mm. Um, and she watches it, and her feedback that she gives is that the Indiana Jones character plays no impact and does not influence the story in this movie whatsoever. And watching this, I agree with her. Really? He does. And I'll tell you what. Okay, I'll, go I'll on. tell you what. Explain. Explain so, this. When the, when we're first introduced to the the Nazis at Marion's bar, yeah, all right, they try to kidnap her basically so they can torture her and um, mm. get the information about where to find the the ark and all that, yeah. right? Indy prevents this from happening. Right. However, they kidnap her anyway. They kidnap her. They're not kidnapping her anyway, right? Mm. So Indiana Jones played no part in that um, or no influence. The Nazis search for the ark. They're, they're searching for the Ark in the right place. Yeah. They haven't found it yet, but they are looking in the right place. Indy using the you know the light staff thing, yeah. he does find it first, and therefore the Nazis also find it. Mm. But really, they were looking in the right place. They may have eventually found I it. I feel like they would have found it. Mm. They had a very large area that they're looking at, yeah. and Indy was pretty much in the middle of it. Yeah. And they so, and they had been in that room because they'd written on the, the sculpture. Like, they, they definitely got that far. Definitely. They would have found it. Yeah. They would have found it. The Nazis take the Ark, right? Mm. Indy takes the Ark off the Nazis. Go, Indy. Yeah. The, Ark, the Nazis take the Ark back from Indy. Okay. So, they have the Ark. The Nazis eventually open the Ark and they all die. Right. Indiana Jones... Take Indiana Jones out of this movie <laughs> and... <laughs> It's the same conclude like you, you come the to the Nazis same result. Kidnap Marion, they find the Ark, they open the Ark. They all die. I would say the the real only <laughs> difference there, now that you've ruined everything for me and, and every listener that we have, but that's fine. Um oh well, unless they're all everyone who listens to this is also Big Bang Theory fans, then they already knew this. I think the theory but, has been out there before, like or like the the the, the idea that yeah. yeah, Indiana Jones' character I don't think Big Bang Theory came up with the idea. Right. I think they just used it. Much like a lot of the stuff that they did in their show. Right. <laughs> what I would say is, though, the the arc would have been left there out in the open, and it could have continued to keep on killing people. Oh, right. If so, Indy had not, so the only survived thing... that and arranged for that to be taken so really off all, his hands. All he needed to he do had was... to be the catalyst for the government to come and grab it to put it in the warehouse. Right. So he just really needed to get there at the very end. Yeah. Correct. Right. Much but everything movie. else, you're correct. <laughs> this could have been this could have been a prelude to the next movie, or, <laughs> or I guess the third movie, if that's uh, the true uh, sequel. Anyway, 
Yeah, right. Like a 10 but, you know, it is what it is. So, it's about the adventure. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Indiana Jones is useless and pointless and doesn't, is not required to be in his own movie for it to have the same plot. Therefore, let's talk about Marion Ravenwood. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry I ruined it for... No, look. Again, it's it's about the adventure. It's about the fun. It's about the action. Mm. Um, and he's still a cool character. So, that doesn't take any of that away. But, in terms of his relevance to the actual story... Yeah. yeah, like there isn't any. Um, but uh, Marion Ravenwood, so played yes. by Karen Allen. Um, uh-huh. You know, we touched on a character a little bit already. You know, like yeah, she's a she's a strong character. She's you know, when we're introduced to her, she's presented as a bit of a hustler. You know, like she's a bit. she's she's doing that drinking game. She's acting like she, she can drink. She's she can do shots. Yeah, she was acting like she was about to. She was about to pass out and then she, she turns it on and I was just like nah I've got this pretending and then the old mate passes out they empty the bar and then she cleans up it's like you have you clearly have not had 10 shots of whatever it was no yeah no oh she did but she can handle it she can handle she her can booze handle it. she's good and again like when she uh, when her and Indy meet again mm. punches him in the face because he basically ditched her yeah like and that's and that's it like, now I I could ruin Indy for everybody, including Again? you, right now Again? by talking about their previous relationship. <laughs> is this something I'm to do not with, going with her to? Age? <laughs> yes, it is, and it's been refuted. But it's also watching this movie. It's and then doing a little bit of research around it. So we have to know their their exact ages in this movie. You right? do and have do to we, know is, their ages. Are their ages fact factual? I don't know what they are exactly, but are they so factual? it's explained in canon um, and through uh, some. It was like in a novelization as well that is considered canon. Right. That she was actually really, really young when she I was think, with Indy. I think, yeah, because they were like, it was like 10 years ago or something. Or, yeah. Or something like that. Correct. I think it would have made her like 16. Less. 15. 15. And he would have been like 23, 24, around that kind of... Yeah. Again, I can't remember that from... No, he, well, I think he's 20... No, I think he was... Yeah, 27 or something like that. Right. Okay. What was, what so he's like, like 30, he's like mid-30s in this movie and she's like something mid-20s. Like yeah. And so that is incredibly problematic... And then also the line hey, that she says, uh, I mean, she says something along the lines of, um, so, oh no, sorry, he was 27 years her senior. These are the notes I got here. 27 her senior? In, and that's in canon, apparently. No, that can't be right. Yeah, like, well, no, it, I mean, it doesn't make He sense. doesn't look 27 years older than her. But anyway, 15 according to the novelization of Raiders and her, her thing when she says, I was a child and you knew what you were doing and you knew it was wrong. It's like, oh God. Again, what it the heck is all that about? It could have just been referring to Hey, he Correct. was very no. flirtatious Correct. with her, with her, and and yeah. that was he knew what he was doing. Yes, and that was inappropriate. Um, it could have been, oh, you know, they smacked on a bit, you know, a few little kisses here and there. Yeah. Um, again, inappropriate. It's incredible. But not it's incredibly. Oh, it it could be. It it sounds problematic in the way. So more <laughs> more importantly, the way that it's conveyed in this movie was it raised my eyebrows. I wasn't aware of it before, and it prompted me to go, hey, what does she mean by that? Hmm. And I did a quick Google. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's not what I remember this character or this, this relationship being. I mean, statutory issues aside, I mean, overall, I mean, I guess it gives just a little bit of, um, you know, it's like, oh, it's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit naughty, you know, like, oh, that young, you know, American Beauty type style, like, oh, it's naughty, but it's, I don't it's know. not like horrendously bad. Again, we I don't, don't know, know exactly that. what happened. 
Oh, I've got no idea. But I do know, what I do know is that... Naughty Vepo is it's, sexy. It's, <laughs> no, I do know the backstory behind it. Though. It's not so, like she was 12. I know, that's all I'm saying. What I, what I do know is the backstory behind it is, so uh, Marion Ravenwood, she's the daughter of Indy's mentor. Yeah. Um, which I can't remember. And I guess Ravenwood. we're meant to assume like they would be around the same age or his mentor would be a little bit older. Oh, his mentor was a little bit older. A little bit older, okay. So, um, but yeah, anyway, they... Yeah, um, fo- following all of this though, um, I believe Karen Allen's actually explained that it wasn't. It's not quite as transparent as that seems. It's not. Yeah. It was more the the ages aren't quite the way that they were portraying it. The ages aren't that different, and um, it was more they weren't in a serious relationship. They were all in more an emotional relationship. So yeah, maybe it was just like which is interesting. Maybe he just led her on, and she's like, "You knew what you were doing, but son of a bitch." But just because we've already ruined Indy once, we might as well ruin him again and say that <laughs> there was potential for some reason <laughs> for so, for them to be considering him to be a predator, so just, so just which in is summary, really, really bad. So just in summary, he's uh, he's non-influential to, to the narrative of the story. And he's a predator. He's a bit of a predator. You know, I think it comes back to... It's those comparisons to like the James Bond character. Oh, I mean, yeah, where he's it's like, incredibly you know, problematic. His actions and stuff, especially when it comes to women, mm. very questionable in this to sort of uh, day and age so they're looking back yeah. but again at, like at the time the way what they were trying to portray was you know like you know he's sexy he you know mm. gets it done he's a you know like women just like swoon themselves out and yeah. like, that's what it is it's more like he's yeah. the ultimate man the ultimate in a man. movie made for men who want to be the ultimate men exactly and it's like yeah, yeah getting tail is good Okay, let's quickly go back to Marion, away <laughs> from James Bond and um, Indy's predatory behaviour. Well, we should talk about their relationship but the in relationship, this movie yes, and yeah. not their pre Well, I mean, yeah. I guess it's all part of it. They had something before. They're rekindling it now. Something 10 years have passed. Yeah, as they go on in this movie, you see them sort of getting closer, but it's not like... It's all it's not all smushy, yeah. bushy kind of stuff, which is which is good. I don't know why it's so bushy. That was weird. Um, <laughs> maybe it was. I don't know. Let's move on. Yes. But I think the turning point is when, you know, again, like, Indy does believe that he's caused her death. Yeah. But she's not dead, again, because he doesn't actually influence the story at all. Um, and she's <laughs> alive. And they meet up later, and, you know, again, they go on their adventure together. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 and it's all fun, and they're doing stuff. And they have a very cute scene on the on the, on the the ship where, mm. you know, it's like, where, you know, he points at his elbow, like, where doesn't it hurt? Like, oh, like here. Yeah, and then yeah. eventually he points at his lips, and they, you know, they kiss, and he passes out. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> We've so all been right. there. I'm going to get some. Um, I'm too tired. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> uh, and then her, her very obvious displeasure at um, that. Um, but they, yeah, and they, you know, throughout the, the series as well, their, their relationship evolves. I recommend, Jason, you haven't seen it, so you do well, go see the, it. the, I mean, again, like, I know things like the Shia LaBeouf character in the fourth movie uh, okay, is, you already is the son of yes. these two, right? And doesn't yes. she, she returns in that movie? She does. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Cool. Very good. Yeah. So, so there is more to her story and their connection and their relationship. Uh, well, when we leave them in this one, it's like they're together, I guess. Like yeah. it, it doesn't imply that they're separating or going their different ways and mm-hmm. stuff. But oh, look, I'm sure he's a world traveler. I'm sure it would have been a strain on their relationship. I can, I can see where the direction this goes in. Yeah, yeah surely. It's like... anyway. anyway. So, but she's um as a you know as a portrayal, Karen, Karen Allen. I. Well, we're spending a lot of time talking about Karen Allen, um, which is great. But uh, I, I re- yeah, I, 
she's a strong female lead in a time when that kind of character really wasn't necessarily prominent yeah. in many movies. So I thought that was kind of refreshing to look at that now in 2021 going, oh, wow, she's... Yeah. I think a lot of the times, like when we talk about a movie like something that's forty years old, we do get a lot more difference in terms of like what are we seeing, yeah, totally. what characters are we seeing, what are these characters doing, as opposed to like when we different do, different hey, time. This movie's different ten time years thing. old, yeah, yeah, like different time and things things progress. But this, she's great. She 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 stands up for herself. She's her own little. Um, I guess she kind of manipulates the situation with the the key protagonist. You know, kind of flirting a little bit, then she mm. gets him drunk under the under the table a little bit knowing yeah. full well that she's got that skill she, she's just kind of taking care of herself she can handle herself she's not a damsel basically she's not a damsel yeah which is good which yeah is. although she's definitely when she's getting kidnapped she's definitely going Indy <laughs> <laughs> but she kind of has no choice really at that point so alright mate let's um, let's take a quick ad break yes or just a break mm-hmm. who knows if there's an ad in there who, who knows? knows who knows these and, things Jason and we'll come back absolutely Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. Nazis! Nazis! (laughs) French Nazi. René Belloc. Belloc. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's how they say it in the movie. I think there's even a conversation between you know, Indy and uh, John Rhys-Davies' yeah. character, which his name is Slipping. I can't remember. Doesn't very good. Doesn't matter. She's got a very impactful character. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, so René Belloc, played by Paul Freeman, uh, splendidly not French, obviously not French. That's okay. But he plays a French character. Seems like a very elegant. I thought his accent. I'm, I'm not being critical <laughs> of, the, of the performance, Paul. I'm sorry if you're listening, Paul. But you sounded almost like you're South African in most of this movie. I'm sorry. As a villain, though, I thought he was actually really good because he's a little bit charismatic. He was a bit calm and yeah. collected. He doesn't. He's not. He's not your cliche villain of that time. And mm. I don't mean the 30s. I mean in the 80s. Like I feel like usually more a bit. More over the top and stuff. I, f- I feel like again, like during those comparisons to like the like the James Bond films and like those villains, you know, you've got like mm. usually those rich, um, very charismatic. You mm. know, looks good in a looks good in a suit. Mm-hmm. Also looks good in a, you know, in a nice collared shirt on a on a hot day in the desert. Yes. Um, you know, sort of brings that sort of regalness to them without actually being regal. But you just know that they have some sort of giant mansion somewhere that they yeah. can uh, go back to. But yeah, what. What Freeman's doing here in his performance, I reckon, pretty decent. Mm. Uh, the character's quite interesting for yeah. a villain. Yeah. Again, not playing. I mean, he's in with the Nazis and stuff, but he's not. Um, I mean, besides the Nazi element of what makes <laughs> these characters villainous, it's like he's not doing anything overly evil. And mm. again, like the Nazis aren't even doing anything overly evil in this movie. Again, not. I'm not. Uh, They're not the world's worst Nazis, is what I mean, Jason yeah, I mean, is yeah, saying. Like, here. I mean, yeah. As far as Nazis go. Like, they're not the worst. All they're doing is like treasure hunting. I mean, I know they want the treasure for you know to dominate the world. Yeah, yeah, but you know, besides that, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're not like oh, yeah, they're, they're nice yeah. Nazis, but they're yeah, not. I mean, they're, they're trying to nice, do. nice. They're just nice enough. Yeah, they're killing people if they need to. Yeah, or if they're trying to. But I mean, nice they're, Nazis. They're not yeah, doing anything good. too 
villainous. Like you heard it here, Jason. <laughs> Jason was endorsing Nazis. Yeah, Jason likes Nazis. Jason likes likes um, Nazis. What is that? Um, but look, one one moment where I think we need to give a shout out to to Paul Freeman for just being mm. a trooper of an actor. It's near the very end, you know, where mm. um, you know Indy's standing over them. They've got the ark, and he's telling them like, "I'm going to destroy." Mm. the thing but he can't because obviously he's like oh artifacts I love them so much yeah. Paul Freeman's delivering some sort of monologue there's a fly it goes in his mouth he just keeps delivering his monologue that's amazing did you see it? no I did not oh, horrendous I actually re-went, I went back I went back and I was like I've got to watch that again that's, that's that astounding happen? good on him that happened horrendous how did he keep on going oh, just acting man what an actor. Oh, it's just in the zone. It's in the zone. Paul Freeman, good right. on you. Let's move on to um, Major Arnold Tote, played by Ronald Lacey. So, we're getting, I think here we're getting a bit more of a, if, dis, like, disagreement if, if you want to. Just a generic sort of, um, I guess, left-hand man in terms of yeah. um, a suited up uh, Nazi, Nazi guy. Yeah. Pro- proper Nazi. Again, so not the got, worst Nazi so, I've seen. So, with, oh, Re- with Renee, you've got... Nazi light, and Nazi then you've light. got with with Arnold Tote, you've got proper Nazi, full Nazi, what full, full, Nazi? full cream Nazi, full cream Nazi. Yeah, I mean he's not like he's not like Hitler level. Oh, but he's definitely a fan because he's like we've got to get this for the Führer. For the Führer, yeah, I guess, and you got the Germanness of them all. Anyway. When they're not German, um, I like this little point you've put here in the notes here, Jace. Early concept art for Tote had him. As a, a uniformed Nazi officer with a mechanical arm that doubled as a machine gun and a radio antenna, um, which was built into his head. Yeah, sounds crazy. That's incredible. That's amazing. Why didn't they do that? Different that movie. Well, wow, George Lucas said, that's, he basically just said it's ridiculous. He We're going to ground it in realism. He, he said, ah, uh, it's a bit too silly. <laughs> so, so we can't have that. What we'll do is we'll, not wait, we'll, wait, we'll wait 30 years and then we'll have weird crystal alien heads that... They blow your brains out. That's what we'll do instead. Okay, sure. In a spaceship that flies off into the into the sky, like sure. light speed. It's really just really something else, you know. No, this looks the supernatural exists in, in this uh, in this um, in this universe. Universe, why not? It does indeed. I'm not, I'm not arguing with that. Um, but now I get it. I do get it. But that would have been super exciting, and that's a cool little fact. Um, him as his betrayal, I don't really have anything to comment other than he does the job. Hey, he's a Nazi. <laughs> he's a Nazi. He wants the, He wants it. He, he wants the. Uh, he wants the the, the, the arc, and yeah. that's it. His death is incredible. Oh, they're all like they're all like the melting. Oh, the explo- so good. Is he the one that explodes? Which one explodes? I think. No, I think um, Belloc explodes, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think Belloc explodes, and uh, um, Tote melts. He's one of the melting. One of them. It's either one of them or two of them. Yeah. And I mean, you've got here the, the Nazis' fate, the death, the death. The, yeah, like because they're Nazis again. They, sh- they need to die. Really doing and they should stuff, die. Because they're Nazis, yeah, they have to horrifically die. And, and we are, we are firm, firmly anti-Nazi on this, and we are happy to see their death, <laughs> and their death was celebrated. It was very good. Um, <laughs> we could, sure, yeah, because they're Nazis. I think if they were just like, you know, rogue treasure hunters that were like, no, we're going to get it first because we're pricks. Hmm. They, I don't know. But I was like, Ugh. pretty violent death for them. But yeah, they're Nazis, so I guess it's all good. I mean, I, I like having my face melt. So that would that, that, that would only tickle. Yeah, people pay good money to have their face melted. <laughs> All right, let's um let's talk production wise because yes. I think one of the things that needs to really be praised in this movie is like the setting. Yes. The, and uh, and amongst the setting, you know, we've got just how everything's staged, mm. how a lot of the scenes are played out and stuff, how it all looks. Yeah. Um, including the costumes and stuff like that. 
I mean, overall, it's you know, it's good. it's globe trotting, adventurous. Yes. Um, where we've obviously got that nineteen thirty six period that so even though this nineteen eighty one, we're going back a fair while, and I yes. feel like it. What we're seeing it. You know, it makes the movie look really, really old. I wonder why they chose to go back to the thirties. I think it was to place it in in that um, that era of Nazis. Well, I guess like the Nazis, but like when you had all those serial adventure, yeah, kind of. um, So still bring it in line with it because they could have probably still achieved it with a more with an eighties set movie potentially. Yeah, when would this fifth movie be set? So, well, the last one was what fifty seven or something. So and that was two thousand eight. Yeah. So then, flash forward twelve, thirteen years, fourteen years. Yeah, where so you know, Indy's in a nursing so home or something. It was fifty seven, I think. So yeah. sixty seven. It'd be like the seventies. Yeah, 60, so, like, <laughs> so Indy's got a perm or a, or an afro or. He's wearing. He's wearing. See, that'd be that'd be interesting. Oh, like, does <laughs> Indy's fashion sense, or will we see a seventies based like? Mm. Wow, interesting. Anyway, we're going to go yeah. back to the production and the setting and stuff for this. But uh, one thing I wanted—I might write it in my notes when I was watching. I just—I really love it. They do it twice. They—that they, old school travel montage of having a line that goes across the oh, of course, the oh, yeah, with, the yeah, map, with, yeah. With, a, with a plane that's kind of superimposed, like a little bit. I just think it's so good. It has that charm. It's like yeah. that charm of both the genre and like, I suppose it's a staple for these types of films. As yeah. Well, but yeah, no, it's like. It, it adds a scope too, like it expands a scope beyond just going from one place to another. It I think shows, like, hang on, you're going from that side of the world all the way to Nepal all of a sudden. I think you do that now you're... though, and I think because it's been, I think it'd be, oh, it's been done to death. It's now. be cheesy. It'd come across yeah. unless you're doing it in satire. It'd just be like, ah, oh, bit lame. Yeah, bit lame. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you can't even, you can't even pay like. Homage or like you know respect mm. to it that you know without it seeming I think a bit tacky now. But I loved it in this because of you know it was in that prime in that moment. It was just yeah. so cool. Well, we've got a lot of um, lots of different locations. You know, we've got like uh, they filmed in Kauai, uh, in Hawaii for like that that opening scene. Yeah. Um, and not anywhere else that they went. But I was like you know they're in a the desert in the jungle. Oh. That that like that desert field. set piece in Cairo is incredible. Like if you see the size and the scope, if you there's that element where they're panning across and you've got all those like that, basically all those Arab workers, which I guess I don't know why they were co- cooperating, but they were because <laughs> every now and then they're cooperating with um, John Rhys Davies' character. Yeah, and then other part of the time they're like, yes, we will dig holes for you, Nazis. It's like they probably were they enslaved. I do not know. They're probably being paid. Yeah. Egyptian slaves. Never heard of a thing. Um, <laughs> They didn't build the pyramids, do they? They're probably they're probably paid. They're probably contracted and paid. Like yeah, it just it was interesting. Like but oh, we need local workers. I don't pay them. Like, good, good point. Or promise to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you the money when we find it all. Uh, um, uh, but no, but so the, that that set that huge set piece of that there's whole a, camp. There's a lot of large scope yeah. things where and this always mm. things going on in the background. And again, mm. I go. I take this back to Spielberg. Like there are just whether it's like a visual gag or just a bit of detail or just yeah. other action going on in the background with those big scoping shots you can get things like that or quick cuts and yeah. stuff like that like the scene with the um, the big shootout and they're, they're getting on that plane 
Yeah. And it's like there's that big guy and you know, his head goes through the propellers which I was like, wow. Yeah. Um but it's like, you know, the the plane's <laughs> moving, Harrison Ford's like trying to get on top of it. In the background you see like the oils like lighting up and this mm. flame is just crawling along. That's like one of my favourite sequences. Like, I, I wrote that so down. Much. I was just like, this is incredible. The tension's amazing. And and also, at the end of that scene, when, you know, basically um, there's still chaos happening in the camp as they're kind of wrapping it up and, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all kind of coming to the conclusion. All of a sudden, the tower in the background just blows up. And it's all, you know, yeah. it's all practical. I mean, it's not, not 80s anyway, so it had to then. But... And it just continues to burn there while the rest of the dialogue is just kind of wrapped <laughs> And it's just incredible to see the sheer scope of the space I think and what, what they did to it. And I think You've said it there, like, because you know mm. pretty much all of it is practical, mm. the scope of what we're seeing and the amount of action in each scene, yeah. it's like there's just so much that you think, like, you could only do that with, um, with like, CGI. Yeah. Obviously... Well, well nowadays, like, definitely. Like, but yeah, it's like no, like they were doing it, and a twenty million dollar budget, like blowing things up. So we're like, pretty sure those Egyptian workers did not get paid, even as even as extras. So, um, not on thirty million dollars. On twenty million. Twenty million dollars. Yeah, sorry, good point. Are you talking about the actors, or were you talking about? No, no, I was originally talking about the characters <laughs> in the movie, but may as well expand extend to the actors. All right, well, let's break. Let's go into some um, like special effects and stuff. Um, yes. Now, apparently Harrison Ford had to actually outrun the boulder in the opening scene. So this scene was... That's fun. It was shot twice from five different angles. So Ford had to outrun uh, the boulder ten times. Um, there's a there's a shot where he actually stumbles. This actually, like, Harrison mm. Ford actually tripped over. Yeah. Right. Um, it was deemed to look so authentic that they left it in. Um, right. And just for a bit of production note here, the boulder was made of fiberglass. So they didn't get an actual boulder because that would be crazy. Although Correct. it was a nice boulder. That was a callback to our, again, Shrek episode that we did. Mm-hmm. Go listen to it. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, no, I like this next point. Um, so uh, this was Alfred Molina's first credit screen role. Um, wife of the pod, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> I... Well, she like, out. I was like, is that Alfred Molina? Well, she, she didn't know who it was. I pointed out, and I was like, that's Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. I could hear his voice, yeah. but visually I was yeah. like, I'm not sure, but it sounds like it. <laughs> but um, credit, credit credit to him. So, he, well, in his first credited role here, like, I could not believe this when I was watching it. I didn't expect it, but his first day of filming involved being covered in live tarantulas, and they were, there were so many of them. No wonder All he hates shit. Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> oh, and they did not move until a female tarantula was introduced. That's interesting. But even like Harrison Ford had three on his back, like on his. I was like, oh god, I you could not. You're not keen on spiders. I could. That's one thing I could not do. And Alfred <laughs> um, Molina, his first credited role, and that's they go, yeah. So by the way. Good, good, what, co- good career you chose. We're going to put 10 tarantulas on your back. Are, are you cool with that? Yeah, cool. You want a job? Was yeah, it cool. only 10? I don't know. Swear what it, was. it was so many. Oh. But hey, it, it gave a good a little good shot with Indy cracking his whip and getting one of those, like, getting the spars off. It's cool. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I've got a, a, a note to, to throw in here just around special effects and stuff. So the melting face. Yes. That was a wax face, as you would imagine. Sure, yep. And it was... Because um, <laughs> so actually melting your actor's face is frowned upon. And the... <laughs> but, but it was layered, as you could see. So ILM, Industrial Light um, and Magic. Yep. Like, 
Hale. Yeah, that's what it stands for. They yeah they created an anatomically correct face, so they had a, a wax skull, but then musculature and then skin, then all that over top of it. So, and so they, as it melts, you can then you can see, see the, the inside of it all. Yeah, oh. and the melting of it, um, it was sped up, but apparently it was. I don't have this in front of me at all, but I believe it was around 15 or 20 minutes with a hot air cannon slowly dribbling it, and then they just fast forward the, the footage. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah. So it like quickly dissolves its guy's face. I know. You it's know, so good. It, it it left for a good like shot, like good yeah. good shots, good violence. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we if we're talking the action and the violence, like this mm. movie, this movie really um, doesn't really hold back. It doesn't hold back. Now. I just want to say, like, they almost got an R rating. Like, that's the type of violence um, and visuals, you know, they were, they were sort of going for. Mm. It almost got an R rating, an American R rating, have you? Um, <laughs> due to the exploding head at the end of the movie. Yes. Um, but they covered it. You can still see it, obviously, but they covered it by adding layers of fire just to reduce the, like, the, the graphicness. Of, it, of that, that head, of that head, and it is graphic. It turns into little pieces. But I know it's like from everywhere. back in like you know the scenes with, I mean, you know you get like you get like the style, you know you get like the the skeletons in the tombs and stuff, and it's mm. just like ooh you know oh spooky yeah cool. But it's not until you get to like Marion's bar where like Indy starts shooting fools yeah. in the face. Yeah, and like proper there's, there's blood. There's you mm. know like and it's like like he's he's getting it done. Like yeah, people are getting broken and impaled and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, you know like the probably the most famous scene in this movie one besides like you know the boulder and the you know like the taking mm. the idol off the thing um, but the, the swordsman you know like he's, oh, yeah. Yeah. he's he's gearing up to be like I'm gonna show you my skills and then mm. we're gonna fight and uh, you know Indiana Jones is just like I'm gonna just shoot you. Now, do you know... It's just like, cool, yeah. Do you, do you know the, the history of that? Like, there's, there's a reason for that. Well, I believe... I believe it's because the majority of the crew, including Harrison Ford himself, um, were quite ill. I think from food poisoning, was it? or Dysentery or something like that. No, just well, very yeah, they just really... Yeah, got the runs, got everything. Not, so not think, good. Because there, there was actually a planned fight scene. Yeah, choreographed and everything. Yeah. And then Harrison Ford was said to Spielberg, just, like, hey... He just ad-libbed this. What, and if, then, I just, what yeah. if I just shoot him? And Spielberg was like, yeah, yeah. perfect. I, be- I believe he ad-libbed it first, and then they were like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like, that worked. Oh, okay. And then, so then they, they reset the, the points and stuff, and yeah. But, um... Oh, of course, because, yeah, the, um, the guy would have had... Oh, no, well, yeah, yeah, well, this woman, like, reacted and... No, 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 as in what you don't see isn't the ad-lib, but that's oh, just okay. what Indy did. Yeah, what <laughs> like, Indy okay, Harrison did, yeah, and then uh, and from so there, people was like, yeah, okay, no worries. I mean, I feel like that, like, sums up, well, it doesn't really sum up, but, like, it, it's just the take on the violence. It's like, death is not a problem here. Mm. Um, you know, like, if the easiest solution is just to kill that person, just yeah. do it, like, we... yeah. Either he either just doesn't care, or mm. he's just like, we need to just move on and get this done. Yeah. And so death is the way. But yeah, there's so much. Like I already mentioned, the big guy with the propeller and the blood. That was like the mm. one shot where I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Wow. That's... And you can see it coming too, because he's just sitting there. And it's like, and uh, things coming yeah, around. Yeah. You're like, if you're watching the plane spin for the last yeah. minutes, you know exactly what's like, happening. To get down, like, just yeah. crouch a little bit. Oh. Boom. See you later. Bye 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 bye. Yeah. But um, you know what? They're good. Like, there's so many times now where we see like stylized violence and all that and mm. they do tone it down for the sake of literally for the sake of being like not violent just so we can yeah. 
richer wider audience or whatever got to make that but, money but this movie I mean this still came out as like a PG-13 mm. you know in America it's like an M rating here or whatever yeah like the violence violence doesn't always add to your film but I think in, in with this I think it did it added to it it just yeah. gave a bit of I guess like realism to all the sensational sort of action that was going on yeah I think so too um, and it kind of like made a <laughs> made it a little bit more like high risk like oh there is actually risk there's death it's real and it, it's not pretty yeah so it's not just you know Indy knocking out somebody or whatever it's like Indy no he's having the fight for his life and that's what, exactly what yeah exactly what he was doing and then what he had to do killing a big giant German man with a propeller <laughs> very very good killing big German man alright he's a Nazi it's okay it's Nazis are fine to be public service announcement announcement Nazis are okay to be Impaled, not impaled. Yeah, dismembered if by propellers. If you meet a Nazi, and you must impale him. That's yeah. what we're saying. Right? Is that what we're saying? We endorse it. We, we endorse. We encourage it. Um, because Nazis do not belong <laughs> unimpaled, um, oh. or dismembered by propellers. That's how the world should work. Okay. Is that the is that the movie? We, I think we, we covered everything. We've covered it. All right, cool. I mean, we can add a few more points when we give, give our rating. But before that, totally. Let's do. Our quiz. Yes. Ten questions in approximately sixty seconds. And Rob, I am. You're testing me. Quizzing you. And how good is it to not have to worry about a timer or anything? <laughs> I'm just going to give you ten questions, and you got to answer them as quickly as I can. Well, yeah. There's still a rapid fire sense of urgency, but you know, it's not really there. I know my rapid fire is I got to get the hell out of here. Come on, Fair guys, enough. let's go. All let's right, go. Let's do this. Number one. What <laughs> year does the movie take place? Uh, 36, 1936. Correct. What artifact is Indiana looking for in South America? It's like an idle head thing. I'll take that. Yeah. Where did Indy first meet Marion? Like when he was a mentor of her father. Or you, what do you mean? In this movie. Oh, uh, Nepal. Correct. In a pub. What is, pub. The, what is the name of Indy's friend from the university who helps convince him to search for the Ark? Oh, bloody hell. What's his name? That guy. Ah, can't remember. I can't remember that one. I'll move on. What drink does Indy ask for at Marion's bar? Scotch. He asked for a Scotch bottle to smash it. Yeah, that's what I'm referring. Yeah, yeah, okay, you got it. Yeah, it's a well, Johnny Walker, I think. I, I wrote down whiskey, but yes, Scotch works. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He grabs it and then smashes um a Nazi over the head with it. There you go. As you do. As you should. As you should. We endorse it. We encourage it. What is the name of Marion's bar? No, I don't know that one. The clue is in her name. Mar we'll is it Marion's bar? No. Okay. What kills the monkey? Poison. Poison dates. Are they dates? I'll give it to you. What Bad dates. Bad, Bad dates. dates. But yeah. Are they poison? They're poison dates. Yeah, They're poison yeah. dates. Yeah. So. What does Bellock want to see Marion in, in the tent? A Like a satin dress, doesn't he? Correct. Yeah. What does Indiana threaten to blow up uh, the Ark with? <laughs> like an, a, a rock launcher, an RPG. Correct. Yeah. Um, and what is the name of the pilot? Mm. The one with the the one with the snake. Oh my god! No, I can't remember it either. All right, incorrect. Now you got uh, you got seven out of ten correct. Yes. I'll just go through the ones you got incorrect or didn't answer. Marcus Brody was their friend at prick. the university. Yes, Marcus. Um, Marion's bar. It's in her name, the Raven Bar. Ah. Oh. And the name of the pilot, Jock. 
Or at least that's what uh, that's what Indy calls him anyway. Yeah, okay, cool. It's like, start the engine, Jock, or something like that. Whatever he says. Yeah, okay. But not too bad, mate. Seven out of ten. I'm happy with that. All right, let's give the... Uh, I want to say the Raiders. Let's give Raiders of the Lost Ark, or Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you want to go by its updated title, but we won't. Mm. What do you give Raiders of the Lost Ark out of five VHS tapes? Me. I give it three. You? <laughs> I'll explain it. I'll explain. Wow, it. really? Okay. I was, no, no. So, so I know that's why I, I thought I'd quickly drop that <laughs> one like just you, to see what reaction I got. I feel like you praised I, this movie quite a lot. <laughs> I praised it, but I, I, I feel like, and this could very well be nostalgia. That, um, I th- like I've got, I, I think I've got more of an appreciation, and I think I was um, for number three, and I think number three is actually, I just think. I, there's, there's elements to that without watching it side by side that just capture me a little bit more than what this has on, on this viewing. Now I'm a little bit reluctant to go watch number three again as being my standout like, favourite of, the, of the, the series because I reckon I'm probably not going to like it. That's not the reason I give this a three. The reason I, I give this a three, and it is almost like a three and a half, four, but I just, there was something about... Um, like it's a, it's a beautifully made movie and the and the music everything all all of that is iconic and it's and Spielberg's work on it is, it's incredible you can't fault it but you also can't really fault him on most of his things right but in itself as a movie and a plot like a you know the story and the path that that people like that, that it travels without even factoring in the fact that Indy isn't even important <laughs> now that I know that it's even more of a thing but. I was like the investment in the journey. I wasn't actually that engaged with it, and so for me, it's not as entertaining as some of the other, the, like you know, some of the other later ones. But um, oh no, number three is like I said, the one, not number four, because number four is terrible. But it's a fair, it's a fine movie, and I really do, I do really, really do, really do like the genre. Um, but it isn't. It's more of the story itself. I didn't really feel too captured by. The journey they were going on and the chemistry between the characters i didn't necessarily feel that um i feel like it improves and it changes over time so that's why it's not it's not a bad movie by all means but it's not it's not a standout like it's not a mm. fantastic movie it's one that i would recommend everybody sees because they get to see this this moment of like in film and pop culture legacy like you know its initial phases and they get to see that and it is good to see, good to kind of see how it all began and reflect on it but ultimately it's not yeah it's a fine movie okay is it, is it great <laughs> I'm going to let you just say, say if it's I, great or not it's like my mind is blown because I was so worried about coming <gasps> into this and giving my rating oh wow you've still gone lower than, than me because I all thought right. what I was going to give was going to be too low compared to other people's um, all right, okay. expectations I guess hmm. I mean I'll start with all the positives um, on a technical side, in terms of what Spielberg's doing, crafting the scenes, delivering the action, mm. some of the best filmmaking yeah. I've seen on screen, without right. a doubt. So I cannot fault that. Again, the iconic John Williams music, mm. like amazing as always. Um, and the Indiana Jones character is, he's up, I mean, there's a reason everyone knows who Indiana Jones is. Like, yeah. he's up there as. A great character, and I'll be honest, I got m- more from the character than I thought I was going to get. I didn't mm. think he was going to be as humanized as this movie actually delivers him at. So, there are all my positive points. I think, like you, though, 
as much as you know like the action scenes were well made and I enjoyed them and I love seeing the Nazis get like their heads chopped o- like open with <laughs> like you know uh, propeller blades and, and all that kind of shot in the face um, and there's great moments with Indy just you know shooting the blade mm. the swordsman and stuff and just kicking ass and there's weird things happening lots of beautiful shots I mean there's so much in this that it's great mm. but like you there's whilst I was watching it for a lot of the movie I was kind of bored mm. <laughs> I was kind mm. of bored so I'm quite relieved that you've sort of said the same thing mm. um, the, the, yeah like and I don't know if it's if it's the genre or you know like the the serial adventure kind of um, you know, story or whatever but I think as an overall I think there's a reason I never went back to Indiana Jones no. I think there's a reason I never continued the franchise I never got excited about seeing this type of adventure character mm. doing things and hunting for stuff like by the end of the movie I was like there was some good shit in that movie mm. such good stuff but I have no interest still to watch the next one. Right. I probably should. If you want to see people eaten by but I mean, crocodiles, yeah, do it. Always fun. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll get a lot out of them. But I think if you get to an end of a movie and you're not excited about seeing more, yeah. how good of a time did you have? And I think that's where I am. It's weird. I mm. feel really weird. I don't know why this is what it is. But I, I, again, there's a reason why I haven't engaged the Indiana Jones franchise. And I think... Yeah. Watching this again has reminded me, like, oh, okay. But again, it's really well made. So I'm coming in at a 3.5. Three and a half. Even though on a technical level, oh, it's it would be higher. fantastic movie. Yeah. Definitely. But I think as a personal opinion of the film and yeah. the overall story and the engagement I had with it, yeah, 3.5. There you go. So don't send so us hate. Don't send us hate because <laughs> we, we appreciate the filmmaking. It just wasn't... The story, Sometimes, the story, it just didn't... It's not... It's not Sometimes it's just the most mm, gripping story that you. It's not for me. Mm. It's just not for me. I really strongly recommend you and anybody who's listening to this go watch number three because uh, it is pretty much a following on from this one, but it is. It's got Sean Connery in it, and it's really, really, really well done. All right, all right. So that was our review to 1981 Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, probably negative, given what we've just said, um, or any rewind requests can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstrewpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on either That Filmstrew or Rena Rewind and Reviews Facebook pages. <laughs> what is our show called? Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Yeah. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and our podcast as it does help others like yourself find our podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes at thatfilmstudpodcast.com. Yep. Uh, And if you're wondering what's up next for Rewind and Review, take a listen to this clue. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters. Not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. All right, get excited for that one if you know what that's from. Thank you for listening. This has been another Rewind and Review. See you on our next trip. See ya.
Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.